0: They said it couldn't be done. Independence was impossible. Through fear-mongering and other forms of negative rhetoric, they made you give up on your dreams. Well now, it's time to prove them all wrong. It's time to blow up the system and change the world. And we've got the man who did it. Broadcasting from studios in Atlanta, Georgia, This is Outliers. Here's your host, visionary and founder of Fedora Outlier, LLC, Vashon Jones.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Vashon Jones, visionary of Fedora Outlier, LLC, and we are back again, even though you will not understand the again part until I tell you that we actually lost the first recording of this gentleman, but I had to have him back on. So I went back to him and said, hey, man, I made a mistake. Can you please forgive me? And of course, he said he would. So you guys, again, put your hands together for Mr. Walter Mitchell. Walter, how are you doing today, sir?
2: I'm doing great today, sir. Thank you for asking. How about yourself?
1: I am better than excellent. Better than excellent. Let's um, jump right into it. Um, As you guys know, we interview people who are doing um, amazing things in the world that are outliers, that doesn't cow down to the status quo that is out here changing the world. So let's talk about this superhero that we have on the line now. Where did you grow up up at? How did you lose your sight? And um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, I was actually born in Marion, Alabama, Um, the same city that Coretta Scott King was from, um, which is right close to Selma, Alabama. Um, I um, grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. I moved here uh, fairly early in my life before I was one year old. Um, And things have been pretty good. Cincinnati has been good to me. Um, Of course, I've lived in some other cities, such as Atlanta, um, Lexington, um, places like that. Um, but I lost my sight due to diabetes. Um, in the, around two thousand one. Um, but you know, hey, things has been great, man. I I I'm I'm not mad about it, even though I did went through a depression about it. Um, but you know, God is good.
1: Got you, got you. Now, all of those cities as a youth, I guess that was Lexington, Kentucky, Ohio, um, Alabama, Atlanta. What caused you to do all of that moving? Was it military or
2: well, no, it was due to my career. Um, I've been a, a procurement specialist uh, since like 1994 or 5, somewhere in there. Um, so far back, I don't remember. But my first job as a buyer was with Ford Motor. And um, I had to do some uh, some run back and forth to Detroit for a while. Um, and the the position that I had actually... Centralized procurement back to Detroit, which they offered me a position in Detroit, but I decided to move to Lexington, um Kentucky, to take on a, a procurement position with Raytheon. So good. things has been good, but you know I, I did a little jumping around, but it's been primarily about my career.
1: Got you, got you. And you say you lost your sight due to diabetes. How long ago was that?
2: Uh, 2001 is when I started going blind Um, 2003 is when I was kicked off a corporate ladder and 2005, uh, I became totally blind.
1: Okay. Okay. And so did you know you were a diabetic and then you lost your sight or did you lose your sight and they say, Oh, it's due to diabetes. How did that all come about?
2: Well, diabetes run very, very deep in my family, so I knew that I had I was diabetic since 1988. Um, but me and my stupid self at the time, young, dumb, and doing all the things that young people do, I did not take the time to take care of myself and what I should have been doing as a diabetic. Um, I guess I really started getting into it around 1998, which was a little too late like i said
1: in 2001 i began to lose my sight Mm. and so was that a like a scary point from for you did the doctors tell you hey you know you're gonna lose your sight if you don't quit was there any forewarning from anyone or it's just you being bad you slowly lost your sight and eventually i mean i guess what i'm saying is number one did you have a forewarning that you was gonna lose your sight if you kept it up and then number two did you stop it even once you found out that you were losing your
2: sight, well, no, I really did not have very much forewarning. Um, uh, I I was standing in my subordinate's office um, at the time, looking out her window at because it was at the Lexington, Kentucky airport, and I was looking at a hangar um, outside her window, and we was putting together a program for women-owned businesses for. Raytheon for the division that I was working for. And um, the hanger just disappeared on me. And <laughs> I turned around. and It just The me. whole, the whole hanger. <laughs> the whole hanger, bruh. And I turned around and looked at her. And all I could see was the outline of her. Um, I couldn't see her facial features, what color dress she had on, or anything of that nature. Um, and she actually drove me home that day. From her office and I left my truck at the, um, at the site and my girlfriend at the time took me to the doctor the very next day to the eye doctor and he immediately sent me over to a retinal specialist um, and they started laser surgery and you know, all the, the you know when they start doing trying to retach or close up the holes in, in, the, in the nerve endings that are around the, um, the retina and I had a couple surgeries, um, and I actually lost my right eye in surgery. Um, the doctor said, or the surgeon said that my retina was so thin that it actually folded up like a piece of saran wrap mm. and they couldn't, they couldn't unfold it. That was the end of my right eye. Wow. And my left eye was my bad eye at the time. And he thinks, they said that they would rather just let it go out, um, naturally and that's what it has done
1: okay okay and so was it high pressure in the eye pushing against the the retina or optic nerve or
2: well no they didn't give me any indication of that they just said that my retina's my uh, was detaching and it was because the nerve endings were breaking off wow um, and i guess that is a detachment um, so the the the, I, the nerve endings were breaking off, and I guess I had nerve damage. So there was no fix for it.
1: Got you, got you. And I realize yeah. this is like you know one of the most traumatic times in your life. But take us back. To that day, you're looking out the window. So clearly, you know, you could see for the most part at that time, you're looking at a hanger, you're chilling, you're going over business, you're being the executive that you are, and in the blink of an eye, excuse the pun, you turn around, uh, or you're facing the window and you can't I mean what is what was that like? I mean, what what was the steps from the time that you saw that to the time that you've been driven home with this news that you got to tell your girlfriend.
2: Yeah, well, I tell you at, at at that time I I felt like I was invincible. Nothing could take me down physically or or mentally or any kind of way. Um, I I had the biggest head in the world at that time. Um so it really didn't hit me until that I wasn't going to be able to see again until My mom and my family was at the, um, after my first surgery, my mom and my family was there with me in the doctor's office to rehash what had happened. Now, the first one was successful, um, but he said, he told me then, he said, sitting, he said, look at your family now, their faces and everything about them, and because this is the best you'll ever see them again, naturally. Um, That's when it hit me. You know, I was like, my goodness, this is and I could barely see them mm-hmm. um, because, like I say, my left eye was um, was already in bad shape and they were trying to hold on to my good eye, which was my right eye. And when he told me that, man, I was like, whoa, when you tell me that I can't overcome this situation like I have before in most things. Um, it, it took me for a loop. Um, and after that, I guess after I, um, lost, uh, got kicked off corporate ladder, I really went through a very bad depression. I mean, very bad to the point to where as I didn't want to leave the house, I felt like that, um, I would never amount to anything again. And my life was over and Oh my goodness! I think I really felt like I was trying to end it naturally mm-hmm. um because i, I didn't want to be here and not be able to do the things that I felt that I should be doing um the i had I had every stereotype that sighted people have about blind folk <laughs> and i and I, and I put that into my life at that time um until I ran into um this n f b organization Mm, mm. Uh, which told me that I to raise my expectations because I could live the life that I want. And at this point I'm doing that and I'm, you know, raising my expectations every day and trying to raise the expectations of those around me, whether they're blind or sighted. Cause now I get the situation of people wanting to do things for me and because <laughs> they love me, you know, which is good, you know, I, and I love them too. Um, But they really have to understand that until they allow me to do the things that I need to do for myself, you're really handicapping. So I would rather I ask you for help rather than you give me help, (laughs) if you get what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I'm not appreciative uh, because I I really am. But, you know, until I do them myself and become comfortable doing them myself, um, you know, like I said, it's, it becomes a handicap.
1: Mm. So that's your encouragement and your empowerment now and definitely meeting the National Federation of the Blind and the members there. But what was that journey like from the last time you were able to see your family from that time at the doctor's office up into meeting the NFB? You were depressed, you stayed it, but how did you climb out of that? Because you had a sense of encouragement and some form of empowerment up until the point where you met the NFB. So what was that journey like?
2: Well, it, I mean, I'm telling you, bro, it was, it was difficult. Um, but you know, of course I, I stayed, I kept things in God's hands, but, um, cause I got a praying family. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I went through drug use, alcohol, you know, just doing everything that, you know, um, really, uh, anyone really should not be doing on a consistent basis of which i was <laughs> or any um, basis just,
1: at all <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know with the drug use i get
1: the alcohol but uh let's try no use uh, right yeah. like,
2: there you go sir just say no there right, you go right 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 there you go but um it it, it was very difficult man um if uh, if i hadn't had that praying family and you know you know those the people behind me saying hey um you can overcome this. I don't think I would have. So what happened was I was in Lexington, Kentucky. I was where my last position was, um, and my mom got started to worry that you know no one was there to take care of me. I didn't have any training or blindness training or anything like that. So she got me to move home. Um, so I moved home, and she got me involved with um, with the support group where there were people there that were well, well, way off, or should I say worse off than what I was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just blind and got diabetes, but there was a young lady there that had lost both legs and blind. Um, there was another guy there that was blind, gone, was going blind, was going deaf, and lost his wife, children, everybody. They just left him alone. And I looked at those situations and said, well, you know, I'm just blind. Um, I, I can still, you know, I still have the, the use and activities of my other limbs. Um, my family is there for me. So what am I trying to kill myself for? Um, it, 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 it really gave me the, the option to say, I can do this. Um, all I have to do is put my mind to it. And do it, and that's what I—that's what I'm doing now. Gotcha. That's exactly what I'm doing now. Putting my mind to it, trying to take a positive step for it every day, and trying to take everybody with me along with me that I can. Absolutely. If you want to to do something um, that's positive, you know, call me up. If I have the time to do it. I'm, I'll be more than happy to work with you. Because it's about just, you know, bringing people up, you know, it's, I mean, whether you're blind, got a disability or whatever, um, we, we, as a people have to move forward. Um, we have a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of adversity around us and together we can overcome all things we got.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I speak to a lot of men that went blind later on in life, I've had the time to counsel people that were truck drivers, construction workers, executives, and they go blind. And that is all they know. I mean, how do you transition from a truck driver to doing something that a blind person can do based on the limitation? Of course, you are not going to be behind the wheel of a 18 wheel truck. Um, Yeah. You (laughs) you know what I mean? So, They oftentimes lose their girlfriend, their wife, their significant other, whatever the case may be. Was that Uh similar for you? Did you go blind and then this person leaves you or did you sabotage that relationship? What was that? Like, at Well, on the, on the
2: contrary, bro, not, not, I'm blind. Um, you know, there has been more young ladies coming around asking me for some time. You know <laughs> uh, I've been, I've been quite blessed in that situation. Um, uh, but, um, but those people that, that, that had those types of careers, it's not that you have to leave that career. You find your spot inside that career. Um, I know you can't. You may not can drive an eighteen wheeler, but you can be a dispatch man. Um, yes, I mean, there. If you if you're versed in that career, find where you fit. Now, I mean, it's not that the world that the world is over or that your life is over. It's just that you got to find a different way to do what you have been doing. So that's that's the move. In my perspective, um, procurement is primarily a paper situation. Um, you could do most of that on the computer. Um, it's just learning uh, what you have to learn to continue to do the things that you want to do. Um, of course we can't drive, got that down pat, but Mm -hmm. there are other things that we can do, um, in that career. Like I, like I said, the dispatch, or, you know, you might be able to work in the, uh, in the inner office to to help with the, the billing, the, um, Estimating, there, there are so many different things that you know us blind people can do that I really think sometimes we don't put our mind to it um, because we just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What the reason is, I, I I don't know, but that's what I mean about raising your expectations. Um, just because you can't do one part of a job of that job, do not mean that you there's not another place that you can be and put it into what and you have to learn. Um, what you have to learn to make sure that you can keep yourself um, going and move it in a positive direction.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what I told him when we sat down. I said, Think about it. Let's say if you play football all your life, you're in the NFL, you tear your Achilles heel, you can no longer play, you can still coach, you can still. Right you know, be a part of the team, yeah. you can still encourage, you can still become a sports announcer, you can still work within the field that you are an expert in, just like with truck driving. And that's what I told her, I said, so you can be a dispatcher, you can be in purchasing, you can be, you know, even in the warehouse, you know, you right. can still make a living, Um, doing and being in the field that you love. And so that's that's exactly right. Okay, so no problem with the ladies, no problem transitioning in your career. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're doing now is still procurement, still in your field. uh, But instead of you having to turn around and look at a supervisor, you look in the mirror and the only person that's looking back at you to make it happen is you. So what is it that you do now and how are you still making it happen in the area that you love
2: well i've um i've actually initiated a company called l2t products and services um we do industrial well we provide industrial materials as a reseller um we do logistics and procurement of course logistics and procurement pretty much goes hand in hand but we emphasize on procurement we all also do small business development um that's where we go and talk to the other companies and find um, requests for quotations or requests for proposals that suit their core competency. A lot of um, small businesses, we realize that we're trying to answer the need for our customer, but when you have a core competency, um, that's what you really need to stick to. Um, I understand, you know, don't get me wrong. If it's something that my customer is asking me to do, um, yes, I'm going to try to do it. But when I'm when it comes down to making sure that I'm able to facilitate this company's or this customer's request, I'm going to make sure that it's within what I already do or my core competency. Um, and that that's just how I do it. Is not I'm not saying that everybody has to do it that way. But if if you want a suggestion from me, the things that you know best are the things that you will probably um, have more successful and more, more success in. So I suggest you stick to that. Um, you know until you get somebody that can help you or that knows more about the other things that your customer might want.
3: Mm.
2: And so that that's that's kind of how I do it. Yeah, you know, I, I try to I try to stick to the basics. You know because the the simpler you keep it. Um, the 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 better chance for success, and that's the way I move. Um, I I evaluate a lot of things. Uh, I I take my time and and try to to come up with every scenario. Um, and I you know try to do it within a diverse type of setting. Um, and then when my the people that work for me come back and say, hey, where's our money? You know, and I and if I'm short this month, I have to say, hey, we're gonna make it. Just, just, just bear with me. Patience is the hardest thing to actually you know, learn and be able to deal with,
3: mm-hmm. not
2: only for me or everybody else. So, you know, it, it comes to a time when you do have to be patient, but realize that you're moving posit- You're moving positively, you're taking a step forward. You know, if things are still moving, maybe the finances hasn't caught up as of yet, but if you continue to make that positive step, it will. Yeah, yeah.
1: Focus on your strength is what I got out of that. And also surround yourself with people that know more about what you're trying to do than potentially even yourself that can add to the team to make the team more valuable than the single person. So that definitely, definitely makes sense. So Raytheon, hey man. <laughs> Raytheon is a, uh, a big company. I actually don't know what they do. So I'd imagine other people listening may or may not know. So tell us number one about Raytheon and then tell us how your experience in working in um, what you do has helped you to become who you are as a business owner now.
2: Well, um, Raytheon is a prime contractor to the government. Um, They do a lot of, um, well, they do a lot of stuff. Uh, Raytheon is a very large company. The division I worked um, at was the division for the Special Operation Forces Support Activity. Um, So we did all like the Green Berets and the Delta Forces, things of that nature. We did contracts to support them. And, of course, you know, I could tell you what we did, but I'd have to kill you afterwards. <laughs> <All> <laughs> you right, <know>? I don't want to die,
1: so don't tell us.
2: <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, they, the, the workforce pretty much, um, they put me in a scenario to where, you know, I had to take people that I really hadn't had to deal with. When you're dealing, I mean, like people that live out in rural areas um, that is um, trying to do a position that is, you know, really, really, let's say, um, oh, like procurement, you know, it's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of, you have to have a lot of education to do it. Some of those guys did not have the education needed, but we were able to train them or educate them to the level that they need to be. Um, that put me there. Um, I wasn't real happy with the way my career ended with them, uh, but at that time they had changed. The L3 had bought the um, the division that I was in, and I did not like the way that it ended. I, I really feel like there should have been some, um, someone should have sent me to a low vision center or something of that nature so that I could continue with my career, but they didn't. But um, what I did was, after I went through this depression and realized that, you know, there was still some, some good left in me, um, I began to look for a position, um, a job somewhere. Um, and they wanted me to retrain. Now, I got 15, 20 years in procurement, okay? They wanted me to retrain for procurement. Now, I didn't understand why that would be um, important for me to get a job as a blind person in procurement. I understand the the need to get the low vision training and things of that nature, um, learning how to uh, work with my computer and assistive technology. I needed help with that. Procurement, I know. Mm -hmm. Um, So that became an issue for me. That's why I started L2T Products and Services. Um, it, it didn't make sense that out of, out of all these years that I've had with, with procurement, um, at the end of my career, I was managing about $1.2 billion per year in procurement projects, and subcontracts. But now I needed to start from the beginning to learn procurement over. I thought that, that was, something was wrong with that. But um, as far as L2T is concerned, L2T is moving forward. Um, it's, it's, it's slow. And yes, I, I, that patience thing is, is definitely becoming an issue. Um, but just to know that, you know, I, I do have the type of knowledge that can be used in the company or outside of a company to make sure that they meet their bottom line Gives me the drive every day to get up and say, okay, who needs my services today? And that's what keeps me going. That's where I'm at.
1: Got you. And so, one of the big things, just as a, a sidebar, that people don't realize that become disabled and that are working is that you don't have to lose your job if you come to vocational rehabilitation early enough, they do what's called job saves and they can get in there and assist you with the assistive technology, the intense teaching that you'll need. And you don't necessarily have to lose your job. Cause that's what happened to me. I was working in a, uh, in the legal field and I didn't know, and you don't know what you don't know. So if there's anybody who is listening, who is working now and it's going through a sight loss or becoming disabled, go to vocational rehabilitation. It's one in every single state. They're all labeled different here in Georgia. It's the Georgia Vocational Rehabilitation Agency, but every state has one for people living with disabilities, and their whole job is to maintain your employment or get you To work or back to work. That's what they exist for. And it's a lot of help for those who actually want it. And um, you got to want it. You got to have a burning desire in your your heart and in your mind to be successful.
2: Now, where was you at back in 2001 or two when I needed to hear that, my brother? Man, I, I was sighted. And I'm so glad you put that out.
1: <laughs> Rolling. Uh, thinking like you, boy, I had my suits and my executive shoes and my power tie. And, you know, I won't, you go. I won't think of nothing about blindness in 2001. Right. But, uh, right. man, it's like you. Once you learn and know, then it's up to us to impart that information to uh, the people that we come across, so absolutely, yes sir, absolutely, yes sir. Cool. So, when did you get in touch with vocational rehabilitation for yourself? Was that through the NFB, or was that prior to or after? How did that come about?
2: Well, that kind of that kind of happened um, prior to the NFB. I got uh, began when I went to that support group. Um, that was at our center here, CABVI, one of our centers here. And um oh I'm sorry, let me let me uh fix that acronym. Cincinnati <laughs> Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired.
3: Okay.
2: Um we um I went there and they began to work with me um to to you know for the rehabilitation stuff and I got in contact with BSVI um and they began to pay for my services and things of that nature. As a matter of fact, BSVI at that time had a program where They would help you set up your company. So they also helped me set my company up. Um, They helped me with – I had to write a business plan and get it approved through them and things of that nature, and that all happened. Um, So they were very helpful um, in the development of L2T products and services.
1: Definitely so. And the same with me. Fedora Outlier was started because I wanted to teach assistive technology on a global scale, something that really hadn't ever been done before. And vocational rehabilitation um, helped me as well. So the reason why you're able to hear both of us is through Number one, our desire to still be successful despite our disability, but we want it to be business owners, which being a business owner allows you to bring other people on board and to be able to assist them with their goals, thus assisting the company and the owners of those companies to um, be successful as well. So you can still do yeah,
2: they. Yeah, the BSVI here in Ohio is through Ohioans, I mean, opportunities for Ohioans with disabilities. Um and they are the the funders are uh, the funding source for our uh, vocational rehab and BSVI view of services for visually for the visually impaired. Um, it's a good organization. Um of course, we got our qualms with them and things of that nature that we don't like, but you know, All in all, they're helping people with disabilities, and that's what's important. I mean, I think we have to move forward to get the service to where we want it, um, but the service is there and it's for us to use. And I suggest that everyone that has a disability check into that vocational rehab or check into that BSBI to see just how it could benefit you and your goals.
1: Yes, sir. Again, it's um, in every single state. It's a federal um, mandate and program. And if you are disabled, take advantage of it. Absolutely. positively. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, we have come almost to the end. You've been through life. You're going through life. You're at the point where you're at now. So give us two bits of information. One, give us some words of encouragement for those that are listening now and in the future as well as tell us how we can reach you, and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Okay. Um, encouraging words. Um, um, the glass is always half full, never half empty. Continue to take positive steps in whatever direction that you need for that to go into your life. Keep God 1st He'll never leave you. Um, To get in contact with me, you can go to my website, which is L, the number two, P, P as in Paul, A, N, as in Nancy, D, S, as in Sam, dot com. Um, All my contact information is on that website, but I will give you a phone number that you can call. Call 800 340 8211, and my extension is 101. Those are the ways that you can contact Walter Mitchell or L2T Products and Services. I'd like to say to you, my brother Vashon Jones, thank you for having me on the show today. Um, you, you seem like a brother that has a lot of things going for people with disabilities, and I appreciate all that you are doing. And I look forward to working with you in the future.
1: Hey, man, not a problem. Definitely appreciate that. And yeah, everybody who knows me and all of you guys who have listened and watched and followed this six year uh, climb know that it's all about you, it's your VR case, it's your life. Uh, we, me and Walter, we're just here as vehicles to assist you in any way we can. But the biggest thing, the biggest encouragement, the biggest empowerment is to know that we're helping someone that is going to be better for it, um, both now and in the future. So Walt hats off to you and, um, we'll see you guys on the inside.
0: You have been listening to Outliers, an official production of the Delivering Access Network. If you have a comment, question, or an idea for a program, email Vashon at excellence at fedoraoutlier.com. And visit fedoraoutlier.com if you'd like to purchase any of the products you hear advertised on the program. And for more great podcasts from the Delivering Access team, visit deliveringaccess.net. Check back again next time for more Outliers. Until then, thanks again for listening, and let's change the world together.